You're listening to The Ripple Affect with your hosts, Cheech and Nippy, a podcast that explores how individual change has the capacity to affect the whole. From neuroscience to donuts, we're two sisters with a deep curiosity for ancient wisdom and modern knowledge, and we're obsessed with learning alongside you because we don't know. <laughs> Let's dive in. Welcome to episode one. This is Isa, and today's episode is a kitchen table talk style conversation between your hosts, us, where we explore change from our perspective, what it is, and how we cope with it. By the end of this episode, you'll know our struggles, thoughts, and how we approach interacting with change. This is Cheech, and what you're about to hear is a direct dive. You literally jump right into the conversation with Isa as she recaps the conversation that started off this whole podcast. Enjoy. I called Kiata like trying my best to hold in tears for the hello of the of the answer. Like, hey Nibby, what's up? And I'm like, hi. Like just trying my best not to cry. And you're like, are you okay? I think you thought someone died. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I just watched 13th. <laughs> I was like, oh. She she calls and she's like, what do we do? And I was like, oh, maybe I don't know. I don't know. And, and then she's like, no, really, we have. What are, what are we gonna do? Yeah. It's time to step up. Yeah, I just felt like we're really powerful individuals. We were natural leaders. We are beautiful people. We expand ourselves all the time. Like I just, I felt like we were playing a little bit small and not like actually being active and making a difference and a change for the better for the whole. It was too, you know, like it's easy to say and to talk about, but I just felt like, no, we have to change the world. Like if we can, we have to, like there's not another option anymore. Like my heart was like just a little too broken from that movie, from that documentary. And life was just a little too chaotic to like just ignore it anymore. Yeah, you really, uh, like, were very firm. <laughs> She's very firm in her conviction and not, you don't really ignore that when you, when Issa gets that way. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, she was like, okay, so how do we change the world? <laughs> I was like, oh, to be honest, I don't know, but I think it starts with ourselves. I've always believed in that quote, and I don't know who said it, but it's uh, be the change. Uh, the change begins with me. And I remember writing it on my eighth grade wall for Andy Junior High <laughs> with a mural. No, this is a true story. So we had to write this. We had to do this mural, and we all got to choose a square, and we got, we got to paint a square. And so you could do whatever you wanted, and they only gave us two colors, which I thought was bullshit. Maybe it was three. No, it was purple and yellow, I remember. Purple and yellow? Those yeah. not even the school colors. Exactly. Okay. And Purple was cheap at the store. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we, I wrote, um, I changed the quote, so sorry, but cha change begins with us. And that was what I wrote. People were drawing horses. We're in eighth grade. You know what I mean? Like people were drawing all kinds of like stupid shit. I'm like, change begins with us. <laughs> so anyway, that quote came up and then, and then I was like, yeah, I think change begins with yourself. You have to be able to change the world. So I was saying all of that because the, point of the this first episode we thought would well it's pretty appropriate if we're two people exploring how do you change the world well you begin with yourself and we want to share that to see if it's helpful for anyone the first topic would be what is change and exploring change yeah so in that we we definitely like wanted to explore it from a few different angles like the philosophy of change the psychology of change the spirituality of change you know just in general what change is and how we interact with it as humans and how how like I think one of the first things that was on there is that on there like why is it hard that was gonna be like why is it so hard um yeah there's definitely I mean there's psychology to that in certain in certain areas like say for example exercise like the why is exercise so hard? There's like psychology behind it because we've been trained to not overexert our bodies to be able to conserve energy. Like that's in our physiology. Really? Yeah. So like it, that's why it makes sense where it's so hard for people to get up and just go exercise because we're, we're wired to not overexert ourselves because we don't want to burn the energy we don't. 
So you're saying you're saying that I'm not lazy. Is what you're saying? (laughs) My my deep need to sit and not move is it's no, you're lazy. Oh shit. But no, but in general, that you know, there are some physiological reasons why we don't embrace change you know it's not safe and if you go back to like your reptilian brain you know that equals don't go there don't do that you won't survive safety came up as a huge theme for me personally for all of this when I was just thinking about this topic of like okay well what makes change hard how do you do it what have I done and the deeper I got the more focused I became meaning like everything came into a lot of clarity of oh safety if I don't feel safe and I can't create the boundaries for myself that 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 I can feel like I'm safe to risk enough to heal or risk enough to go to those dark places of that those shadows or trauma places then I won't be able to begin the process of change and I do believe that it's a process I think a lot of people can I think you'll be able to People go, of course it's a process. But then when they're in it, they're like, no, why hasn't it happened already? Yeah. Like, why is why isn't the, why are things not not different? And because uh, it's, it's a process. Yeah. The trippy thing about change is like, yeah, it it's something that's always happening, regardless of our doing or undoing. But then it's also something that we have like tangible power with our decisions and our choices to be able to invoke. So we can evoke change when we want to, but then also there's this like steady stream of change that's constantly happening. So we can, you know, that's what's fascinating to me is like you can choose to jump into it and just be like, well, life is happening all around me and I'm just going to embrace it and kind of react as it comes and see how I can, with the best attitude possible, go interact with it. But then there's also this other part where it's like, there's shit in me that I don't want anymore. Like, I want to change this about me or I want to change this about my circumstance. And then in choice and decision and action, you're able to like interact with change in a different way where you get to step into it and be more of the leading force that brings it about. So there's like two different types of change that are constantly happening. At the same time, would you say? Yeah, definitely. I, I think so too, because I think what well, the first part you said of it being like this movement always happening and your relationship to it or your understanding or maybe perspective to it. I feel like that word resilience came up. Like people who I watch the way their approach in life is that they are able to seemingly not go through life like unfa- unscathed, unfazed, but very much you see like how they're just going like they're just going through it and they seem to be in some type of vibrational alignment regardless of what's coming at them and they have a steady core. To me, it's like resiliency, mm-hmm. some type of thing that is and I think of Brene Brown's work too with like the wholehearted that she's done so much research on of like these people who live wholeheartedly it's not that they get out of anything at all they're still going through divorces they're still going through loss they're still going through like the unavailable pandemic all this stuff they they don't get out of anything it's not a privilege there it's just that they're able to move with it rather than against it and at the same time, I feel like if you looked at that, I'd probably say that those people also are the agent of their change. Mm-hmm. Like they are involved in moving their own, their own life. There's not that victim. Mm-hmm. There's not that. And I had to really face that for myself. I think that was one of a, a huge catalyst point for myself when I was like recognized that I had somewhere along the way adapted victim mentality or it didn't that doesn't even resonate with me that victim mentality but I just got called out or got helped and with pointing out like oh no you're not a victim and I think going deeper now years later I realized like oh well it's because I did have things that were abuses or things that were traumas in my life that where I was like, damn, I got to work through that shit so I don't feel scared of going back to safety. Yeah, and it stays with you. Just like you're talking about like resilience. I think a lot of resilience is born in trauma or in circumstances that rock you to your core. And and that's what you gain a new perspective once you go from that moment forward. It stays with you. I know you brought up a question of like, 
is change easy for anyone? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? I was like, like, wait a minute. He said, tell me, please tell me. Do you know anyone who seems like it's easy for that? Like, change is like, yeah. Because yeah. it's not. And I'm like, please show me these people. Let yeah. Me, and we're we like, we should them. research and see, like, if there's people that do feel like change is not an issue for them at all, what, what do those people have in common? And I think some of that is that resiliency. And some of it is just, like, that perspective perspective like they're able to pull back their perspective far enough consistently enough to be able to look at the whole and go oh like I get it like I'm not in control of this big thing and I get to interact with it however I choose and then they choose a state of being that is conducive to their own happiness and their own well-being and their the life they want to live and interact with every day. And it's not easy. I remember from Brene Brown's work, like show me a person, like it, it, someone comes up to her and goes, oh yeah, I'm ready to do vulnerability. And she's like, oh no, you don't get it. You know, cause it's not something you're like, yeah, change. Like even those people there, you know, it's still, I think there's some type of traction through this flow, this, like it's not resistance. That's kind of a, a choice, but it's this, you're moving through life has a, is going to have, um, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Like, it feels like traction. Like you're going to move forward through it, and you're going to get uh, interacted with things. Things are going to move into you. It's not like when when wind resistance comes. It's like the part of skydiving. Although I've never been, but like feeling all of that resistance as you're hurtling through it is a part of the thrill. But you're not just like cruising. You know, <laughs> like it's like there's going to have that piece and those. But two things you said from that felt like popped up to me was for fear. Fear felt big. Like, do they have fear, those people? Like, they must. These hypothetical people we're talking about. <laughs> do they exist? The unicorns of humanity who, who, who think change is great? No, who, uh, but fear and um, fear felt like, wow, do, yeah, how do you, I guess it's how do you, how, in resilient people, how do they approach fear? Because it has to be there. It's a natural, it's part of our survival to feel it. I don't think it's, it's in, uh, it's a, important to feel it obviously but yeah I think there's different set points for people's fear levels meaning like if you've never got up and moved to somewhere new and you have a there, there's a fear set point because you've never done that you've never experienced that so it's it's unknown therefore it can be scary to do but once you've done that once twice three times four times it becomes less scary because it's known it's known to your system and you go I know I can survive that so people it seems like that have more experiences that they've where they've been afraid of something and then done it that seems to be like a, a muscle you build to where your fear threshold starts to go down as opposed to up where if you do less of what scares you and you hide away from it, you play small and you don't record the podcast and you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't ready. I'm not prepared. Don't make me go. Um, <laughs> then, then they become bigger and your fears start to start to run the gamut. Am amplify themselves almost. I think it's, you make a really interesting and important point because I think when you talk about risk, which is a part, in my opinion, of change, um, what you're risking, what you're putting on the table, I think is correlated to how much you're going to um, change. It's my, she's trying to open my iPad. The um, I got bored of what Kat was talking about. <laughs> I'm just joking. Dick move. Yeah, I'm just joking. I'm just um, there's a correlated effect there. And so how much you're willing to risk, I think, is how much you're going to be able to. When I realized like, oh, it's it's not risking the big things. Like, I'm like, well, if I could just go out and like, you know, make huge changes in my life or risk a lot, right? That, that correlation. Um, but I think it's the small things at first, especially to build that trust, what you were talking about when you were saying, like, if I go and do that thing and I realize I didn't die, <laughs> I moved and I didn't die. My whole world didn't crumble. I found new friends. I found new things. I was capable of that. That builds inner trust. And I think that that the, the way to build inner trust for, doesn't have to be huge, but very small in certain telling your truth or um like these tiny little increments of things doing doing one thing um that you're really afraid of regardless of what it is and I think it's to do that you have to be able to register and know your inner feelings enough to go how am I afraid of that 
because I think there's a layer in our, in our neurobiology that we're like, oh, I'm not afraid of that. I just don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that risking that I think I'm talking about Brene Brown a lot because I just watched that Netflix special over again. And it's like, you have to be in the arena. She talks about from that quote from, from uh, Roosevelt. It's like, you got to get into the arena. And if you're not, then you're not getting pushed around. You're not getting kicked around and you're not growing and you're not actually, you know, doing life. And I think a lot of people are like, nah, I'm cool off of that rather than realizing, oh no, you're afraid of that. And, and things, so things aren't going to, I don't know if this is true, but like, I feel like from this conversation, it's like things won't change unless you're willing to risk approaching your fears. Yeah. I would say that's, somewhat true I mean it depends on the type of change you're going for that's a good point I think I'm always like deeply personal change I'm going there like deep deep I mean like for me you know I'm a you know habit-based nutrition coach so in that like arena you know I would agree 100% that the small changes done habitually are going to make a way stronger impact than huge massive action taken once you know, for the most part, sometimes, yeah, that is a good choice. But for the most part, if we want to embody something new in ourselves, we have to habituate those things and take on that identity and move towards it. So you measure where you are currently, where you want to be, and then you see what's in that gap and where can I fill it? Where can I take those small steps every day to start in that direction to get to where I want to be or who I want to be or the thing that I want to do or the career or the project or the family or the relationship or whatever it is. Like there is a very almost like a clear recipe in change that we, that I was really relieved to find like that can be studied. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know that there were like psychological stages of change. You know, that was a huge, like huge learning for me that I went, Oh, like it's been studied. It was almost like a relief. Mm-hmm. And when you look at those stages, you go, Oh, like this gives me power because I know even if I'm in the pre contemplation phase, which is the very first phase there is a phase after that that I can gently move into. And then from there, from there, from there. And then, you know, I'm in, I'm in it. I'm actively in control of something. Working the steps. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So for you in that though, talking like incremental change, uh, which, which I'm a, like a learner of it in immediately right now, meaning right now is through like atomic habits talks about that too. Um, James Clear and do you, what, ha, what in those increments do you see with clients and stuff that has to do with fear? Like each time is there, you know, every time you go into those new phases or how do you, cause if everyone could just move incrementally, I think, and know that they could and go like people would. So what's the, when you get to, what are those stopping points that you see? Yeah, it's really unique in people. Um, oftentimes it's, um, like deep, belief system like limiting belief systems that just hold them somewhere and a lot of times I'll ask my client like do you remember the first time you felt that or do you remember the first time you experienced that and they'll recall a time where yeah I do remember that and it was such an impactful time that their patterning picked it up and it stayed with them and then they went forward with it and so like when you when you do that and you get to a point and then it's affecting your weight it's affecting your health it's affecting your relationships then you you have a you have something to look at like oh do that's that thing and if it's showing up in one part of your life most likely it's showing up in other parts of your life and and a lot of times it is you know I don't know if I would say fear-based but it is like from an experience where that was how they cope oh yeah a solution yeah an imprint an imprint to an experience where a solution was provided in the brain the body whatever and then later on that solution is not it proves itself to not be helpful anymore and I think a lot of times from like traumas of childhood of coping you go oh this is how to survive and not even those words can sound very trauma and survive sounds like very like extreme but even in the healthiest of places I think that's a part of life is like you're experiencing things you're learning as a child how to be resilient how to cope how to survive in whatever the family unit system society is and then you go forward from with these childhood I don't even want to call them programs but like these childhood ways of doing things 
before you start to self-examine and go, oh, are these still for my current state reality and functioning? Are these still uh, what's best for me? What's what's useful anymore? Or are they outdated, essentially? And it's just really empowering to be able to know that you have a choice. You have a choice to, to hold on to those things, that patterning, or to create a new patterning and let that one go. You know, you have a choice to, you know, do all these things. Why does it not feel like a choice sometimes? Does that make sense? Like, when you, like, you, you go, okay, yeah, I could just choose it. But sometimes things, and I guess I'm, the, the theme I'm just digging into here is, like, fear. But, like, sometimes it, it can feel, or resistance, it can feel so much like you don't even, you're like, nah, like, I, that's not say again, that's not say like, ah, okay, you're telling me I have a choice, but I don't believe you. And this could be an internal conversation you're having with yourself. Yeah, okay, so this I see happen with my clients, too, is, like, it's the mind doesn't it's like a reverberating feedback loop so the mind will it learns from very very young time that um whatever it sees and happens it will process it and go okay now I can trust that like if I cry and my mom comes that's an that's where you build your attachment like that I can trust that that is a mechanism that works I you know reality is there (laughs) and you keep going through your life and you you, the mind will only trust and know something it can it's seen it's done so even though it's shitty situation a shitty apartment it knows it it's safe in it so like your safety set points are are your experience goes out, it touches whatever it does, and then it comes back and it learns from it, right? Like, and then it goes, okay, now I can go out again, learn what I can, come back and and digest that and keep living and expanding and growing. But it will only expand to the point that you think it can. Like, you create your own container. So it doesn't always feel like it because you don't know anything exists outside of the unknown. And I was just reading um, Thinking Fast and Slow. He, He even goes, and the data shows that your the brain the way that it functions is familiarity so you think that you have knowledge and you've built trust based on um, or you make decisions based on feelings and data and things that you like are consciously work working with but in fact they've proven that the brain is just a pattern recognition system so if you see and have actually been exposed to some kind of information you the familiarity even if it's once twice the film the familiarity of that information will make you trust it more whether it's actually cognitively a a logical deduced reasoning or not it's like oh people vote for candidates where their faces have been shown to them once not even but and they think but here's the tricky part is that the unconscious piece of it is you ask them and they're like no I I voted on that candidate because I believe x y and z they're like no you just saw their face before we just did a, ran a study on you it's and it's trippy the way the brain will um I guess um falsify safety through familiarity and then it's a it, I don't know if that's quite the right wording of it but it feels that way it's like oh and so it's it's kind of the conscious human being to go be aware of oh that's maybe happening so just because I don't know I'm I'm afraid essentially of the unknown it's literally the brain and if you think about surviving in like the plains of Africa (laughs) in evolutionary theory like unknown was literally death like you needed to even if you heard the noise of an animal at least you knew what you were facing and that was familiar to you so you were less afraid and and able to keep your adrenaline levels and all the things regulated enough to survive Mm -hmm. it just makes me think of like what uncle duffy used to say always you know like since time we were tiny replace fear with knowledge Mm. you know just you gotta just replace fear with knowledge you know and that's brilliant it is it is because it's applicable in every arena of your life and i when i was doing learning about life design the stanford um they have a, I think they're out now. Did I tell you that? They have a, the people who do life design at Stanford, these two guys are two professors, two professors who are, um, uh, only did it at Stanford. Now I think it's on creative live or one of the Coursera, maybe they have, they have, they have the program now. Yeah. And there's a book that yeah. they wrote yeah. along with yeah. it. Yeah. 
but that reminds me of life design because they're like most people don't realize like all they need is just more information they're hemming and hawing trying to figure out the one right path but instead of flooding their system with curiosity conversations go okay go go meet uh find three people who are already doing that career that you want to do and interview them talk to them about their experiences read two books about the thing like and i and goes back going back to that inaction piece that you're talking about the very beginning of like lazy what it, it there seems to be this correlation of like this resistance to just go read those two books go talk picking up the phone to have a conversation with someone who's an expert in the field that you want to go to why does that seem impossible I don't like, know what is that where you just <laughs> you're like because the brain will insert all of these reasons at you know get okay I'll do it tomorrow it's like a simple one, put, putting off procrastination but or of like uh they're not going to want to talk to me how would I even get a hold of them and each stage it's those hows those questions of like those excuses you could call yourself you know gently you know nudge yourself to recognize or like self-critic like know that your self-critic's kicking in that's a great one too oh for sure and then and then being able to push through that and go do it anyway what is that that will allow people to go that I, you know, I'm asking for myself. <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. It's okay. <laughs> I go on the phone. You can do it anyway, even though yeah. the brain and my body sometimes are, is even saying like, huh, no, no. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I know from my own experience, the things that have helped me in those situations, I, I, mean, I don't know why, but I do know like I've had mentors and people really help me break through that. And, and just go, you know, even just putting it on the table that that is a thing. I, ha- I mean, I have a, a professor and a um, mentor that, you know, he was telling me about how many people just forget that you can call and get a hold of people that are in high positions mm-hmm. and that pe- students that do that are just blown away that they've actually been able to do that. I guess student is a good um uh, title to take when you're making those phone calls. I'm a student and I'm, you know, wanting to gain more information and knowledge because most people will give away information and knowledge pretty freely when they feel like they can be helpful to others. I wanted to talk about um, change and um, what, like why you change, why you choose to change. And I know I had said earlier, like, there's only two reasons you change because you have to or you want to. Mm-hmm. And you can't change something unless you know, unless you measure it. How are you going to know you changed unless there's a metric to measure it by? So you have to measure what it is you're looking to change. And then you have to figure out why it is that you're looking to change to, to almost like attach an emotional reason to it. And that, and that that's like part of that recipe for, for changing anything, you know, is like figuring those ones out first. And in the, in my coaching field, they say this really funny thing of like, don't coach the rider, coach the elephant, which is like the elephant is the emotional body and the why, like underneath that. That's like what's running that programming. It's oh, the, I thought you said writer. You said rider. <laughs> rider, like the elephant rider, which okay. never do, by the way. That's what I was thrown <laughs> off to. You're not supposed to ride elephants. No, don't do that. Um, but it, it's true. You know, you, you look at why this person is wanting to make this lifestyle change why do they want to be healthy why do they want to get that book written why do they want to um become a professional in their field like why and it's almost that curiosity point that that is so beautiful I know I made like a a thing for myself this year of um being like the new identity new version of myself that's confident and excited and and um, grounded and calm at the same time and has curiosity and playfulness with everything that she goes into, you know, and that curiosity is such a big point. So in my coaching, a lot of times I'll ask people and it's like a little kid, like, why, 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 why? And you keep asking this why until you get to this, this reason that's below all of it that they didn't even know was there. Yeah. You have to hack your subconscious sometimes. Cause again, that that the placement of the brain is to keep us safe. And so it will always just present us with the information that is already in that that set point. You described it earlier that those um, those metrics of what's already known. And so you have to be able to kind of hack it sometimes to get under what you don't know is necessarily there. And I think that comes to a good point that we talked about too, Kiara, is like we 
this doesn't, I think that this is like a team sport. I think change is a team sport. I don't think you just go about it all by yourself. And I know that for myself, the, the deepest changes, the biggest changes that I've made in my life were in conjunction with other people because of someone helped me move through some childhood stuff because someone helped me see I could do that too because someone was there to be like oh just do this or or even just sit with me while I was crying because I was so frustrated like it is a team sport you know and it doesn't always feel glorious or good but I think that it's important to recognize like their support is a huge part of change huge I think that that was the piece that propelled me forward the most because of being a recovering perfectionist, I like just, it was hinged upon doing it myself. And as soon as I broke, it was a break, literally like a breakdown in terms of being able to be vulnerable enough to go, I can't do this alone and I actually need support to then work beyond that going like, oh, it's okay to have support, to be at work beyond that, to say, oh, I deserve this support. And then to normalize it and be like, oh, this is really no big deal. I totally need support. And my ego and my pride and my whole existence are not, have not, they're not correlated with it. In fact, it's the opposite. The more I can ask for support, the more, um, expansion and, and success, or just the more, um, the more I'm actually living in the truth. When I realized, I was like, oh, uh, I need someone to check in with me every day for a while to see what I'm doing and I need someone to go over a list with me of the things I want to accomplish and I need that I need that hand-holding, what I would call hand-holding, then re- re- evolved into, oh, that's just, that's just what I need. And the self-awareness to, the self-awareness and the compassion to be able to say, this is what I need, because I think the selfishness of it can be, um, the, the, the feeling of selfishness, especially in women, I believe. And, but men too, I think as providers and that whole thing is, is that we don't realize that it is totally within the best for all to be able to ask for support. It strengthens, not weakens us and it is such a delusion though that I was in straight up to to try to break that down also takes support so it's this tricky wheel that you got to just kind of get on in order for it to keep going you know and I, I totally see just parallels like a lot of times I love to do this thing where I like um take one area and overlap it in another like I've I've thought about like oh you know like the wellness industry like what does it take for a human to be well like what if we took all the parameters of that and overlapped it onto our planet like how do I make our planet well you know like and what you just said reminded me of the like stress management in a human like in a person we use the um the acronym REDS like to be able to take care of yourself when you're stressed. And it stands for rest, exercise, support, and spirituality. And you touch those areas like to make sure that to help you with your stress management. So when you, you know, look at that and you go having self-compassion for yourself during change, can we overlap, you know, that reds onto maybe whatever it is that you're going through or changing through or, um, you know, for me, like your business endeavors, your entrepreneurial stuff, your career, can you overlap that you know can you can you rest when you need rest and have that compassion for yourself and know that that's okay like or say you know say what you need like you're saying like this is what I need and not have shame around that and just be like no this is what it takes for me to be okay and well and if I can back it up just slightly is like just even be able to register what was needed in myself because I think that that was a huge piece of moving forward was like really know yourself know I would override so much of of my basic needs or like my uh any kind of I I just would push and push and push and push until I was run down or until you know something made me stop and then and really not being able to register what's going on inside of me Uh, oh oh I'm angry oh I I'm triggered oh I'm sad Oh, I'm, 
notice and name. Yeah, I have notice and, notice and name. What is going on in my system? And because it's I? amazing how how much is just well will just get overridden by whatever you're prioritizing, whether it's school or a relationship over, or a business or a job over yourself. And when I say self, it's like over those areas, over your body, over your mind, over your being, over your, your heart. And oh, that's what I was going to say too, is that I think the how to open up those channels of what's going on with yourself for change those deeper parts of of you is it's all it has so much to do with your heart if your heart is closed down for very valid reasons if you've been hurt if you've been traumatized if you've been whatever those walls are that you put up to guard your heart i believe it makes it very hard for you to go forward and change with that those walls up and I don't, I don't think there's a, there doesn't, you don't have to break it all down. It doesn't have to be violent, but I think it is so important to be able to be in touch with your, not just heart's desires, because that can sound very like, woo, woo, what does that even mean? But really inner, inner, um, awareness of what's important to you, what, where you're, where you're hurting, what brings you joy. And ultimately all of that is the vulnerability of being able no one can know you like you know you but that is a journey I believe that you go on to know yourself better than anybody else because we give our power away a lot to institutions to parents to gurus gurus spirituality is a huge can be a huge trap for that because really it's this it's the knowledge of self at the at the incremental moment of of fear at the incremental moment of vulnerability where you go, okay, now what do I need? What do I need? Without reaching out, because there's a difference between reaching out and tell me what I need, mm-hmm. that kind of support. And someone can't help you there, truly. They can try, but you're going to go, you're going to lead down a path that's not going to lead to, I, I believe, to anything that's going to be helpful versus you taking that moment, that breath, those, that time, um, that effort to go, wait a minute, what it is I need. And my power, the powerful moment I had with myself was going, I don't know what I need, but I know I need help. Mm-hmm. That is okay to say. Because I think we so often are like, no, I got to figure it out and then I can go get help. It's like, no, bro, you got to, it's, it's valid to not know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the opposite. And it's scary to not know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and hopefully you, you, do, you do have to build yourself a community and that's, that, that's a whole other, I think, topic. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I agree. So what do you... What does true change really look like in your life? And and what did it take? Um, a lot of crying. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, true, I think for me, true change, for me specifically, feels like trust. And that was just, I think, my specific journey was, is learning how to trust. And so how that reverberates out, you said something really powerful. I think it's like how you do one thing, it starts to bleed into other things, you know. And compartmentalization, I really believe, is is a downfall for a human being. To be able to compartmentalize and say, I'm going to deal with this thing over here like this, I'm going to deal with this, and, and to tell yourself the... Uh, the not the lie but kind of the lie that like oh yeah no I I can I can be this over here and this over here and that over there I really think that that does you it does you a great disservice to kind of say like no I'm all of those things all all of those things are who I am I'm not I'm not one thing I'm all those things to try to take an honest look at yourself to say like I want to be something I have this image of myself that I'm trying to uphold but in fact I'm this and when I just let myself be in that reality of that I'm not what I want to be, I'm not this image, I'm actually this other thing, and to go through the whatever the feelings are of shame or of, of whatever that is, and to come out of that and start to get a closer, more congruent image of yourself, to congru- and congruency is so important. And so for, for me, that path, if I boiled it down, was was being able to trust a little bit more and to for me like the movement of I know it sounds really kind of funky but it's like 
of not loving myself to loving myself. And that is, that's a, that's a, that's a lot of concrete things I could name to what that is, but in general, cause I don't know if you want to go like into specifics, but in general, I think that's that movement. When I look back at who I am and what I've changed and how it reflects out into how I do business, how I do friendships, how I do relationships, um, how I show up in the world, it, it, I can look back and go, oh, I didn't love myself. I didn't know how to love myself. I really didn't. And now I'm, clo- I'm further along in the journey. And I can, I was, I woke up this morning. I had this thought of like, like in my career path as an actor, I'm like, oh, whoa, I'm really, really confident with, with what I can do as an actor and what I can, sh- how I can show up. And I understand my process a lot more, which includes like being very loving to myself around all of this. Where I know you know this about me. Two, three years ago, I was incredibly let's name one thing, highly critical of myself and really hard on myself and really shame, like really feeling a lot of inadequacy. I'm not enough, unfair. And this isn't, I can talk to you right now in this moment. I don't have a job on Netflix. I don't have anything in the exterior world that proves to me that I'm a good actor. I, that validation has not appeared yet, but what is why I mark this as a set of change in my life is that I feel it. I don't need that exterior validation and it doesn't mean I'm not going to go still try to, you know, see if that can happen. But I think I feel a lot better if it doesn't or if it does that fee, that pathway toward um, having jobs as an actor doesn't feel like it's like, oh, well, if I get it or I don't, I'm still this person who knows myself well enough to know what it is. And people can say that's bullshit. You need you're not getting paid. You're not that. And that's fine too. Cause I have other things in my life, but yeah. So what I hear is like true change to you is, is movement is trust is integration into a new, uh, patterning of emotional, um, I don't know, like set, ther- points. set points, thermostat, I was going to say mm-hmm. and acceptance. Yeah. I'd say that. Yeah. And then the byproducts of those things are confidence, are, um, uh, um, power, um, self, self-acknowledgement, um, th- those, those, those personality traits you could say, or those qualities of me as a human being, um, come out of trust mm-hmm. and well, vulnerability. What would your advice be to somebody who was wanting to change? <laughs> um, change wanting to change their, 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 I guess it all starts. Okay. So I think for me, and this is a theory I have, if you're wanting to change, make a change in business, if you're wanting to change a job, you know, I want to go into a new career field, or if you're wanting to open a business, right. Or if you're wanting to leave a relationship, get into a relationship, if you're wanting to, all these different things that you could name as markers of, I want to change this. I want to change X. I really believe that like the way to do that isn't to focus on that thing that it's to go into yourself and find out where are your inner stuck points about how you feel about you because there's a direct correlation and it's it I, th- I think in atomic habits he talks about this it's not James Clear talks about it. it's not I have a goal and I want to I want to attain that goal it's I the the more appropriate way in a neural neuroscience neurobiological way is I'm a I'm going to become a person who has this thing experience like I'm a per I'm 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 a person who gets up early I'm I'm not a smoker like it's not like I'm trying to quit it's like I'm I'm just a person who's not a smoker those identity shifts are the very foundation of what then brings about these external real realized circumstance and I think those identity shifts are no joke that's that's real deep work get a therapist yeah find read yeah (laughs) like get a therapist get a coach read get a coach um and if you don't have money for all of those things those are things that like are library card yeah, library card, YouTube. I mean, YouTube. like trustworthy YouTube. You know, Fun. like I mean, people yeah. that are credited to be able to 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 share that knowledge with you. But I think you're right, and it goes back to it. Like that's perfect. It truly is. You you do change these things within yourself. I think that the exterior exterior world is a mirror 
of your interior systems. I know this, like even for myself in my relationship, I realized, oh, I was telling these stories to myself about what this relationship was and where it was lacking and how it was and this big elaborate story that the mind made up around it that had zero validity. And I realized like, oh, the state of my relationship is the state of my being. How I come into this relationship is how this relationship is, period. And that a relationship is somewhere I go to give, not take. Mm -hmm. And I get to cultivate whatever it is that I want in that relationship, honesty, laughter, joy, humor, camaraderie, connection, passion, all those things. I get to cultivate them in myself and then come to that relationship and share all that and open my heart and my being and be like, cool, this is what I want. So this is how I'm going to be. And let's see if we can align and make it the frequency become that. And if not, sometimes you go apart from your partner. Sometimes you grow stronger and go together. But like, and that's just one example, but I so think you're right. Like that owning that new identity of how you want it to be in yourself. And that, and it gets like so out there. Cause like, there's so much like manifestation yeah. stuff and like, you know, just think it and you'll be it like positivity all the way. And I don't really believe in that. I don't like I've been in life in my own shoes and feet and experience and had hardship and had pain and grief and these things that don't just get wished away, you know, and circumstance where like, I was so poor, I couldn't afford a new razor blade. You know what I mean? Like, let alone an electric toothbrush. Like, I remember being like, damn, I got one electric toothbrush so bad. Like, that was my goal. I've never heard you say that. And I, like, when I got my first electric toothbrush, I was like, I made it. Oh, this is next level, bro. I got different heads. What is happening? Who am I? I know, it's so true. But the vulnerability, I want to go back to the vulnerability of what you were just saying of like that you were willing to cultivate in yourself what was wanted outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I know that that isn't easy. Like that's not something you woke up and went, I'm, when you say choice, it's like, I'm just going to decide to be loving and joyful and compassionate. It's like, the the I think for me one of the pieces of of growth that has helped me and change is recognizing when the shit hits the fan and I am in melted puddle of tears on the ground in my kitchen wondering if I should get a divorce or if I should eat a cookie like I don't know no is is when I'm in those deep deep places of 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 um existential crisis or deep feeling and not knowing feeling very lost is the places from which my greatest sense of self of information, self information and growth have come from. Not instantly, not in a moment of a spiritual by- bypass, like, ah, like all of a sudden I've got the ways. Sometimes that can happen, but not for me. It's been an incremental piece of picking myself up off of the ground and going, what has caused me taking responsibility? For myself and my emotions and where I am and going, what is it that I want in this moment to be different? What can I do to help myself feel um, loved in this moment to try to move forward and get the help I need to move, to go toward that thing? Yeah. And it's just an st- incremental step not to have it, to be able to release the the piece of 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 wow I might not have this and I don't know if this is an overshare we might cut this out but like I do remember being in a place in my marriage where I was like I am terrified to lose this thing terrified that this is going to be the reality of divorce it may be in my reality you know and and I had to truly relinquish like okay if that were to happen like it's okay and that power of the feeling that that was ruling me the thing that was driving the fear I realized in that moment was failure because I'm a recovering perfectionist this is a theme that you'll hear a lot is that terrified of failure and it seemed like a failure but when I was able to go like you know what if that's what it's going to be then that's what it's going to be and I have to accept that that is a probability in the existence of life that I may that may go down that road and when I made it okay in myself that that's okay 
then I was able to start to speak the truth of what I really needed and to start to heal that those deeper things within myself. I saw later on, but I did see, oh, this isn't the relationship isn't the issue. It's inside of me. I'm, I'm not speaking it up what I need and what I want. And I'm not living my life the way that it is. And so once I enter, just like you, the kind of that opposite piece, I realized like I'm bringing to the table all of my fears and insecurities and, and that's what I'm sharing in my relationship. And that's why it's coming back at me yeah. in this way. And so I had to kind of heal myself yeah. before I, I could heal my partnership. I think that that's like a little deceiving though too. And I want to clarify, like you're saying, like when you're on the floor crying and that those are the times that have birthed the most change and the most self-knowledge, like, you know, and I think that for me, it wasn't, it, it didn't feel like that. Like those times were the times that were scariest and were most deflating and just awful. And it wasn't like I had, I didn't have self-guidance. I didn't have like, th those weren't the times where I went into myself and went like, oh, okay. Like I'm learning about myself. Mm -mm. I know about no, myself not more now. Like, nope. Yeah. But they were the times where I went, I need help. Mm -hmm. Like That's I need right. help. And then I didn't heal myself. I reached out for support on how to help myself heal. And, and that's where it gets tricky where you don't want to go to someone and be like, what do I need? You know, you, you got to get a little bit clear in yourself of like, I need support because I'm a wreck in this area and then explore that. But like, I definitely think it was support support from other people and and hands up and programs and books and all these tools it really is tools and that's what I've fallen back on now too is like the tools to know like what is in my control and what is out of my control like very clearly know that and and then I think true change comes from really looking at what it is and to not integrate but almost like investigate yourself and mm. in, in investigate and and look at what really is in that area that you want to change what already is what currently is yeah taking stock yeah I, I really am glad you clarified that it's so true and I meant that exactly is that those now I can see that those were the moments that looking back I go oh those crying in a puddle were the moments where I came deep enough down to something really hard that I was able to then be truthful about that hard. Like it, it could, it was unavoidable at that point where like you, you are faced with that. Something's got to give. And here's here. I'm now in this, in this swirl of emotions enough to where like, I want to get out of it. So it's that need and that want, like the have to and the want. okay, I'm not going to do this. And I just came up with the plan of how to fucking change it. You know what I mean? Like there are those changes too that are not as dramatic, but right. I think these ones are like, for us are more real and we want to share that real because it's like from the outside looking in, in this Instagram world, everything's so perfect. This is an actress and a model and like all these things. And it's just like the reality is we all bleed the same. We all cry on the floor. We all go, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life and and I hear that from like younger people too like I'm just got to figure it out and I've even said that a thousand times and my partner who's older than me is like Issa that doesn't stop no like that's part of life like you're yeah. always gonna be trying to figure it out like there's no figured out no. maybe when you like transition over to the other side then maybe but I still don't think that that's <laughs> you won't be there to know it yeah so. like, no, that is a really, really good point. And I think that the tool, going back to the tools, your tool set um, ought to grow as well. I started this year with looking at my life as an experiment, mm. which is very similar, yeah. right? Science, science is curious. Yeah. Science is curiosity, like when you look at it, like in one way. Um, and there, those, two, those two approaches, I think, are such a healthy way to look at life now if you're down and out and you don't have the privilege of being able to even take a breath to be curious like I that I understand that but at the same time like what I what I realized was like this is this is the approach that is way better for me mm -hmm. as a recovering perfectionist so anybody who has these kind of tendencies like 
to look at it not as like, I got to accomplish these things. I got to have these goals and I got to break this down and I got to figure this out and I got to go creates a pressurized situation. And for me, when I looked at like, okay, there's some deep, deep parts of me that I've somewhere very quiet in me have always known that 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 is what I wanted. I looked at those areas and I went like, I'm just going to experiment of what it would be like if I was okay with being seen. And that's why I'm here recording a podcast. Yes. And what's great about an experiment is you're just, and this is a lot of that life design course too. I realize it's like a lot of it is just um, prototyping things out and going, okay, it looks like this now. How else could it look? What else could it be like? How else could it be without this? Okay. I have it mapped out from, from year one to year 20. You know what I mean? Even if, if that's an experiment that you're going to run, okay, let me map that out and see how it feels. Great. But like the control piece, um, if, particularly for people who have perfectionist te- perfectionism is so dangerous because it will almost immediately, I can guarantee you, lead to pressure and lead to defeat, like self-defeating thoughts mm-hmm. because it, it, nothing is ever enough. Mm-hmm. And that's a really hard place to be when you're setting – excruciatingly high standards for yourself and you're never meeting them and excruciatingly hard uh, I can't say that word excruciatingly hard standards for other people uh, is 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 debilitating that because it's never enough yeah and it, it'll lead to inaction sometimes too which is even worse you know? oh yeah and you feel bad about it then there's guilt and shame associated and it's just this like recipe for self-defeating purpose it's a it's a Ferris wheel that you don't want to be on. Like, it, so how to get off? It's like you gotta wave your hand at the top and be like, "Bro, stop it!" When I'm at the bottom, and let me out. Yeah, like you gotta cry out. And and I don't know, I don't really even know what my cry like. What made me realize that I was in that loop of perfectionism? But I bet it was somebody. Yeah, that helped you realize that. Or life, life, yeah. life will dance with you and tell you if you're brave enough to look at it and go, "Oh, this is." I've heard this message quite a many times and I don't want to hear it. Life will tell you. I think that's a little off the topic, but just speaking to my brothers and sisters who are recovering perfectionists, take the term, take it on, try it out. It, it helps to realize what you're what you're dealing with. And anytime you have a label, I think when, when you use that label to help you process whatever it is that you're going through, to learn more about it, to you know, put a label on it so you can put space between you and it and have a framework I think that's a really healthy way to use use a label and I've told you too I, I want to move out of that label I think moving out of labels not staying in any state or station is really important because you like I want to eventually move out of the label of being a recover I don't want to be a recovering perfectionist forever that's yeah. not a piece I, I it's a place where I like oh that was also something in my past and now I'm you know well with other problems <laughs> <laughs> okay I I think we did it. Listen, I don't know what we did, but we did it. (laughs) Look, unattainable ideals are overrated. We're way more connected and deserving than society's false sense of separation dictates us to be. You're not just one person. You're enough. Your effort is enough and change is possible. Question the standard that says otherwise, because what if almost is good enough? Just by tuning in, you're a part of our clan. Not in a culty way, though. (laughs) We don't know how far this ripple can go, but we're going to keep showing up. And we'll never get to perfection, but we're all going to be okay if we let the process be the solution and we see the value in the attempt. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Ripple Affect. We're looking forward to exploring a different facet of change with you next Tuesday. Same time, same place, next week. For show notes and additional resources, check out our website at rippleeffectpod.com. That's affect with an A. Kiara has worked diligently to make our website interactive. Please visit it so it wasn't all for nothing. (laughs) In all seriousness, though, there's a ton of resources there. DM us directly at rippleeffectpod on Instagram and let us know what you liked about our show or any of your own ideas. We're really excited to hear from you. We value your feedback because it helps us make the pod better and it's our way of including you in our process. Okay, so ratings aren't the point of why we do this. We really want to make a change in the world. But in the matrix, there are 
algorithms. So yeah, every single review we get helps the ripple go farther. To help us out, please take two seconds, find the ratings and review section on whatever platform you're listening from, click five stars, wink, wink, and leave a review. We know you're busy, so just saying hello or literally hi as the review helps us hack the matrix. We sincerely appreciate it. If you want to become officially initiated into our clan, again, not in a culty way, hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we're in it with you. Keep questioning. Stay curious. You got this, clan. A special thank you, love, and credit to the magnificent Mia Casasanta for this beautiful music you're listening to right now.